Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching.
good morning. We're so thankful to have you this morning. And I want to let you know of a couple of exciting things coming up. Ms. Trist is coming up to share something today, 4 o'clock, here at church. If you or your child is interested in learning more about baptism, Brother Allen will have a class here at 4 o'clock today. This is a great opportunity to learn about baptism. And next Sunday night, we're going to meet out at uh, Crossings at Jonathan Creek. We would love for you to come and be a part of it. 515 meal. Uh, we'll have worship, baptism out at the lake. It'll be an excellent opportunity uh, to join us to celebrate new life in Christ. And so, Miss Trista, will you share with us something coming up uh, Saturday, September 7th? Yes, Saturday, September 7th, we are partnering with four other churches. First Christian Church, Central Church of Christ, uh, First United Methodist, and First Baptist Church for Great Commission Day. So basically, we are all coming together to go out into the community and Saturday, uh, an iServe. Uh, you can pick up one of these iServe cards at the Welcome Center. Uh, it's an opportunity to get plugged in and share with us how you'd like to connect and serve with our body. And then also, if you're interested in learning more about our church family, getting connected, uh, you can fill out one of these Get Connected cards. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, all that's available out here at the Welcome Center. And we're so thankful. And if you're interested in learning more about our church, we have a Discover FNBC luncheon Sunday, September 8th. It'll be right after the 1040 worship. We would love for you and your family to stay to learn more about First Missionary. So we're so glad you guys are here today. Let's continue to worship the Lord. And uh, thank you. Let me out of the desert. Brought me into his streams, river of living water. Turned my beer into sweet, all my burdens lifted. Took the shackles off my feet. There's no sound louder than Captain set free. So let the
we sang this morning, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And then that song says, all I have wanted, no. All I asked for, no. All I have needed, all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. So as we come to this time, this morning, the service, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your providing hand. We thank you that you've given us exactly what we need. As we come and our ushers come this morning, and we have this opportunity to give back a portion of what you've blessed us with this week. May we do it with love, with a loving heart this morning and a pure heart knowing that all things are from you, Lord. Without you, we're absolutely nothing. And we realize that. We thank you. We honor you. We praise you. Lord, bless this offering as only you can. In your name we ask this thing. Amen. Hey, so good to see you this morning. So glad that you're here. And uh, what an exciting time to be here today. Uh, about three weeks ago, uh, Katie had done some babysitting for a, a friend of ours, and uh, she she rolled in that afternoon, and, and I happened to be there uh, at the time that she rolled in, and she came in, and she said, Dad, I, I think something's wrong with my car. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, let me go out here, and we'll see what's going on. So I went out there and kind of stood around the car and started hearing a meow, meow, and I'm like, Yep, there's something definitely wrong with your car. And, and so we walked around the car and kept hearing, going, meow, meow. And uh, so I said, won't you pop your hood, Katie? Well, she popped the hood, and there was our friend's cat. You know, underneath the hood of the car had ridden on top of the engine for like eight or nine miles. You know, that cat wanted to scramble out of there and grab the cat, pull it back in. I didn't put it back underneath the hood. I did not. But we put it back in the car, sent her back home. Actually, she ended up coming back home with a flat tire. So she had a flat tire and a flat cat. All at the same time. But I'm telling you, over the last three days, I have kind of felt like that cat right underneath the hood. It has been a whirlwind of activity and stuff and emotions. As most of you know, uh, this past Friday, we took our daughter Katie to Campbellsville. And I left a, not only my daughter, but a huge piece of my heart in Campbellsville, Kentucky, this past Friday. And uh, just think about her, pray for her, to your mind. But you know what reminded me, what I've been reminded of this morning, is that all across, you know, our state and our region, uh, we have other families who are in the exact same situation. Uh, they have taken their daughter, their son, uh, to maybe Murray State or Western uh, or even uh, WKCTC, all across the state, you know, there's families making that transition. And, and for us, I know I, I look out here today, and, and many of you, you, you've been there. You've been there. I, I know you've been there. You, you have felt what, what we have felt this past week. Um, and, 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 and so you know. You know. But for a lot of families like us, I mean, it's the first time. It's not easy. It's difficult. And so let's just be mindful today 
of all of those families and all of those students and even our kids going back to school here and, and in our ministry, God's blessed us. We have students from Murray, Callaway, McCracken, Graves, Marshall. We have folks here from Mayfield, Livingston, Caldwell, probably leading somewhere else, but all across our area. Uh, we have folks right here in our body who are still making those transitions uh, back to school and, and new lives and, and all of that. So, uh, yeah, when we left her Friday afternoon, I just, whew, that was not easy at all. Uh, and then we came back uh, late Friday night, and we had our Grace Conference here uh, this weekend, which was a great, 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 tremendous time. We had three tremendous teachers here, uh, Press Gillum, Kim Chalice, and one of our very own, Patrick Johnson, who drove up from Nashville, and our worship team led us in worship. We had great teaching. We're so thankful for uh, Kim and Brent and the folks at the Hill and Glenna who helped put that on this weekend. And, and I just sat, and I just soaked it up. I just took notes, and I just soaked it up. And what a blessing uh, it was to have that conference this weekend. Uh, got in late last night, about 10, 15, 10, 30. And then, then we're up again this morning. So I, I really do. I feel like the cat that's been riding on top of the car, you know. And I've been spit out. And so here I am. Yeah, pretty, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I'm really excited, though, about what we're going to be looking at in John chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn back uh, to the book of John. And we're going to continue in this teaching series that we've entitled, Revisiting John 3.16, what is the gospel? Revisiting John 3.16, what is the gospel? You know, there's a difference between looking at water and looking through water. Like putting on polarized sunglasses and looking through the water. You do that, a whole new world is awakened to you of what's beneath the surface. There's a difference between watching a snowfall and looking intently at a snowflake. There's a big difference. There's a difference between appreciating a rebuilt 1957 Chevy and then popping the hood and looking at the engine that makes it run. There's a difference between all of those. Hopefully what we're doing in this message series, we're popping the hood, we're intently looking at the snowflake, we're looking through the water at John 3.16. A simple, simple text. Which, let's be honest, for many of us who have grown up in church life, we've heard it. We've seen it under the eye black of athletes. We've seen posters. We've quoted it in vacation Bible school and Sunday school. We know John 3.16. We can quote it at any point in time. In fact, Billy Graham built a, a ministry for almost eight decades around the simple gospel that's expressed in, in John 
chapter 3, verse 16. But when you look at it in its context, and you start peeling back the layers, and you see what makes the engine run, and you see the intricacies of its snowflake characteristics, you see it in a whole new light. And you really see the power behind the gospel. John 3, 16. We looked at the bigger context of a discussion that Jesus has with a man by the name of Nicodemus. A dialogue that he has. And, and hopefully, as we walk through that, hopefully you have felt like you were a part of the conversation. And then, after that, seeing this thing in its bigger context, right? And then, beyond that, there is an example that Jesus uses in 14 and 15 to help us to understand the gospel. It's when Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must, and watch this text, watch the language, even so what? 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 Even so must. Must, must, must the Son of God be lifted up. And Lord, might you cause our cell phones and, and, our, and our little ones to be at ease for just a moment, right? Y'all know me. I, I'm like, I'm OCD out the wazoo. I mean, there could be, like last night, somebody, I won't even point it out to you, okay? We're going to get there. So must, are y'all with me? I'm with you. Are you with me? No, you're like, you're an idiot, right? Okay, so anyway, even so, must, must, must. What's the word we're looking for there? Everybody's here. Must, has to, must the Son of God be lifted up. He must be lifted up. It's, it's, a, it's Jesus foreshadowing the cross. And he uses Numbers 21 and that whole scenario there where Israel had rebelled against the Lord, spoke against God, spoke against Moses. He sent fiery serpents into their midst. They were bitten by the fiery serpents. They come to Moses and they say, Moses, we're going to die. Intercede for us to the Lord on our behalf. So Moses goes to the Lord and he prays and God comes back and God says, Moses, I want you to, I want you to build... Or make a bronze serpent and put it on a standard. Put it on a pole. And when you lift it up, the people who have been bitten, poisoned, sickened, envenomated, if they look to the serpent, they will find healing. He must, he must be lifted up on the cross if we are to have any hope of healing from our sickened, poisoned, 
envenomated condition. Then you come to John 3.16. Many scholars will say this starts a new paragraph. A new paragraph. It's almost as if John 3.16 almost stands by itself. And many times what do we do? When we quote it, we quote it by itself. Many times without really looking at the context of, of everything around it, right? I told you last week that the power of John 3.16 is in nine words. Nine words. Y'all remember the words? God loved, world, gave, son, whoever believes. Perish, eternal life. You could really take it out to 11 words, though, because the very first word, the word for, is like, it's like an ex explanatory word. It's a word that's going to explain. So you can't separate John 3.16 from John 14 and 15. It's like an explanation. And then the word so. It's an important word for God so. And it's not like God so much loved, and yes, God so much loves. But it's God in this way loves. God in this way, He loves. Today, if you're looking for an expression of the love of God, you will find none other than what he has already demonstrated and shown by sending his son to the cross. You see, if you're looking for an expression of God's love, and you're looking for God to do something else to tell you, I love you, you can't find that expression in any greater way or any greater form than what he did for you on the cross. God in this way loved the world. As we said last week, and you can go to our, our, our YouTube channel and see the previous messages and you can get caught up on this. We talked about God and that for Jesus and Nicodemus in this conversation... There would be a very clear understanding of who God is. And then we moved to the word, the world last week. The mass of humanity. Who does he love? The world. The whole mass of humanity. Everyone. Everyone who's ever been on the planet. Everyone who will ever be on the planet. Everyone. It's not God loves you, but he doesn't love you. Or God loves you, but he doesn't love you. Or God loves you, but he doesn't love you. It is God loves you and you and you and you. In fact, why don't you look at your neighbor right now and just say, God loves you. Right now, just do it. Just say, God loves you. And listen to me when you think about the infinite, omniscient, 
all-powerful being of who God is. There is no greater love or one who can express love than God himself. So not only can we see the greatest expression of God's love, but there is no one greater you can be loved by than God himself. God loves the world. And to love, to agape, is to do what you do for what somebody else gets out of it. God, in this way, loves so much that He did what He did for what the Son second person of the Trinity, for what the, the Spirit, third person of the Trinity, and for what you and I would get out of it. In fact, we, we hear the words of Scripture that says, there is no greater love than this, that a man would day, lay down his life for his, for his friends. To love is to do what you do for what someone else gets out of it. It is agape love. And it is the same word. It is it's the very same word in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, that speak of God's love. It's the same word. When Paul would write and he would say, But God, being rich in mercy because of his what? His great love with which He loved us. How did He love us? He sent His Son. Even when we were dead, separated from the Spirit of God, sickened, envenomated, poisoned. Even when we were dead and separated from God, I'm adding that to the text, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. The love that is expressed in Ephesians chapter 2 is the same love that is in John 3.16. And it's a great love. And it's not like the love of God for the whole world in John 3.16 is any different or any less than the love that is expressed in Ephesians chapter 2. To know the love of God is to know a great love. It's to know a great love. But to know this love, you have to experience it in a way that goes beyond just believing facts about what Jesus did. You see, the scripture says that even the demons believe and they tremble. They have intellectual knowledge of who Jesus is. They have intellectual knowledge of what he did. 
but it doesn't change who they are. And just believing facts or intellectually assenting to the fact that Christ died on the cross and was risen from the dead for you, just believing it in that way will not change your life. In fact, and we talked about whoever already, for God so loved the world, the world, we talked about the world, that whoever what? That whoever, and this is anyone. Anyone who would what? Anyone. So, so listen to this. So it's, watch this, it's anyone out of the everyone. It's anyone out of the world. If anyone. And since we can say, because you're part of the world, and we can say that God loves you, then we can say that if you believe. If you believe. You'll not perish. But have everlasting life. Believing in the way of which the Israelites looked to the bronze serpent. If you will look in faith and believe that he can heal you and make you whole. Then that belief is the door you must go through to experience the life changing power of Christ. Paul would even talk about this in, in, in Ephesians chapter 1. Where he says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also what? Y'all say this with me. Having also what? Having also believed. You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So if, if, if Paul's given us somewhat of a chronology here, then it's like this. You must listen. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. You must listen and hear the gospel. That's on you. You must believe. That's on you. But then notice this. Then God changes your life by sealing you with the Holy Spirit. He places his very life inside of you. So here's the deal. When you came to church today. God did not show up here. You brought him here if you know Christ. He's in you. And there's absolutely nothing. Now you, you may feel like you deny him. And you walk away from him. But because you're his. He never denies you. And he never leaves you. So the guy says. Man. I really blew it the other night. I walked away from the Lord when I was at the bar. And I had too many. And Jesus says. No. I was just at the bar with you. Girl says, God, I really blew it. I really messed up. When I was smoking weed the other night, I walked away from you. And Jesus says, no, I was just with you when you were smoking weed. You probably weren't listening to me. 
you've probably squelched my voice. But if you think for a moment that I wasn't in you, you're wrong. When you walk down the highways of your school, when you go into Walmart, when you go to the ball game, when you put the uniform on, If you have believed in the way that we're further going to explain in a second, he's with you. You're taking him with you down the hallway. You're taking him with you to Walmart. You're taking, and yes, you need him at Walmart. Can I not get an amen? We all need him at Walmart, right? I can deal with Jesus at Walmart. It's all the other people, right? And sometimes I have to remind myself, Lord, if they know you, then you're in them too. Can I get an amen? But you take him with you. May not be listening. You may not be giving him control. But if you know him and you've believed in this way, he's in you. And he doesn't deny you. In the book of John, we even better understand what it means to believe. We've already said it goes beyond intellectual assent of acknowledging facts. But in the book of John, we, we understand that to believe, to believe basically means to receive. This is explained in John chapter 1 verses 11 through 13. Here's what the scripture says. John wrote, he said, he being Christ, y'all with me, he came to his own and those who were his own did not what? They did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To believe is to receive. He closes it out by saying, even to those who believe in his name. Paul reiterates this in Colossians chapter 2 uh, verse 6. Listen to this. Therefore as you have what? As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk in him. To believe is to receive and to receive Christ is to believe. But if your believing is not receiving, then maybe you just got the facts right, but your heart's not changed. You might have the facts right, but your heart's not changed until you receive Him. And you say, what in the world does it mean to receive Him? It means to have faith in the fact that He can heal you. To have faith in Him, that you accept Him in your life for His rightful place of being your Lord. It is a surrender. It is a turnaround. It is a relinquishing and a giving up. It is an exchange for something that won't bring you life for Him who will give you life as a free gift. 
And when you receive him, you are receiving something that is so, so valuable. And again, this is, this is available to everyone. And everyone, everyone is urged to believe and to repent. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Paul wrote and he says, verse 20, We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We, we beg you. We plead with you. Be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It is a great exchange. And the Spirit beckons to you. Be reconciled to God. It calls to your name. Be reconciled to God. But as the Israelites could look and believe, you can look and believe and receive. If you make the choice. And when you get Him, you get the kingdom of God. You get eternal life. And it is so precious. It is so valuable. That in Matthew chapter 13. It is described as a treasure. Listen to this. This is amazing. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. Which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it. He goes and does what? He sells all that he has and buys that field. It is like, I am, listen to me, I'm so convinced of his love for me and my need for him in my life that I perceive the value of him to be so great. I will sell everything else I've got in order to have it. It's also in the very same section of Scripture likened to a pearl of great price. Again, verse 45. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. I am growing more and more convinced that it's at that point of conviction when you perceive this to be of such great value and where you are to be so sickened and lost that in your heart, when you throw yourself to Him upon His love and His grace and mercy, that it is likened to you selling Everything that is precious to you in order to have him. You will sell your clothes, the finest clothes that you could ever possess. You'll sell your car that you've worked for. You'll sell your house that you've worked hard over the years to pay off. You will sell your, you will sell your popularity. You will sell your favorite sport. You will sell your favorite hobby 
or activity or anything in your life that you perceive to have value. When you compare the value of what you have to the value of knowing Christ. You go. I don't want it. Because I'd rather have Jesus. Are you, are you, is it soaking in? What it's like to have a relationship with him. This does not mean. He calls you to sell everything in order to have a relationship with him. But when you perceive the value of knowing him compared to the value of having everything else. It's no contest. And think. Think. About how his life in you. Will add value. To all those other things you're a part of. Now this will blow your mind. So when you think about having Christ and you compare having all of your talent, all of your ability, all material possessions, wealth, everything you've got. And you give it all up. Who did he give? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And make no mistake about it. This is not uh, a reference to, to maybe what the cults might teach in regard to some kind of mystical sexual union between God and Mary or God and a human. But we're talking about the eternal one who is God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. John explains who he is in chapter 1. Verse 1, in the beginning... Was the word. And we study the written word to know the living word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He, Christ. Was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus is the creative agent by which God made the heavens and the earth. It makes sense why he loves the world so much. It also makes sense why the brokenness of our lives and the brokenness of our world hurts his heart. In verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his Glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Very God, very man. Not of a mystical union, but from eternity past to eternity future, Christ reigns. And this is who he gave. Now I want you to think about this, okay? 
So you perceive the value of knowing him, and you perceive the value so much as a pearl of great price and a treasure that you'd buy in a field and give everything else to have. It is so precious to you. You'll buy that and give up everything to have it. Then you tell me, what of more value could he have that he could give more than his son? And you tell me this. If you perceive having him as being so valuable that you'll give up the greatest things of value to you, then what does it say to you about the value that he perceives you to have? Did you catch that? Did I explain it right? If you would give up everything to know him because you perceive knowing him to have such great value, worth more than anything else, then what does it say about your value that he would give up that which has great value to him, his son. So what do you do? Spirit of God is speaking to your heart. This is right. This is true. You have a choice. Will I answer? Will I respond to receive, to believe? That's never happened in your life. And please hear us clearly. This is not, you did when you were nine. This is not walking down a church aisle. This is not even going through baptismal waters. This is being born of the Spirit of God. And maybe, maybe, maybe some of the great challenges and struggles that you've been experiencing is because you get the facts straight and right. But your heart hasn't been changed and if it has as you have received Christ Jesus so walk in him what do you do you walk in him no religious backflips or somersaults to get him to like you No trying harder 
to make him more pleased. You're as pleasing to him as you can ever be because you're in Christ. And he's given you Christ's righteousness. You just walk in him. That's it. And you listen to his voice. And when he says, go this way, you just go that way. He says, go that way, you just go that way. He says, go that way, you just go that way. Why? Why is it this simple? Because it's about a relationship with a person named Jesus. It is not hard. But you walk with him. So what is he calling you to do today? Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.